One constant through all the years, Ray, has been... Benson and those guys. Benson and those guys. Benson and those guys brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Zach and the iPad. We just lost half our listeners. We're now down to three. You want to heckle blind people? You're such a moron. Hey, I'm just here so I don't get fired. You got 20 bucks? He's got a monster hat. That is helping nothing. Let's get nuts! I'm not going to let our fans down. It's a faith-based sports radio program. I'm not certain that that format is ever going to work. Good Saturday morning to you, and welcome to the program. Benson and those guys is brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions, townandcountrysolutions.com, fearing nothing but God. We're glad to have you with us on this rather chilly fall morning here in Rochester, New York. You can follow us on Twitter or any of the other major social media platforms, really. Just look for us, at BTG Program. You can visit our website, BTG Program. Dot com. What a wild, wild week, Zach, in sports. Uh, baseball particularly. Playoffs are exciting. Uh, and all kinds of things happen, things that you've never seen before. But now the Cubs advance, and that was pretty exciting, right? The Cubs. That's something we've never seen before. Now, you kind of want the Cubs to win just because you want that whole uh, back to the future thing to. Oh, man, I'm one of the biggest Cubs fans going right now. I'm loving these these Cubs. How weird would that be if Back to the Future ended up predicting a thing back in 1980, whatever? When that I'd have to rewatch it and see if there were any winning lottery numbers in that movie or something. That would be that would be amazing. ESPN ran a headline on their website the morning after the Cubs series clinching victory, which it read Cubs first playoff clincher at Wrigley worth the wait. Now, of course, the Cubs had never had a series clinching victory in their home ball ballpark until the other night, but Really? Cubs' first playoff clincher at Wrigley worth the wait? They waited a hundred years. Yeah, I don't know if it's worth that wait. It, it was exciting. It was good theater. It was definitely entertaining sports. But, I mean, worth the wait? What happened in, that was so remarkable, so remarkable that it was worth waiting a hundred years for? I don't and, know. That Schwarber home run was pretty amazing, but pretty good. But I'm not waiting a hundred years. Is that worth wait? What would you? Yeah, no, that's hyperbole for sure. Yeah, what would you wait a hundred years for? There's really very few things I would wait a hundred years for. Well, until the average lifespan is over a hundred years, there's there's nothing worth waiting a hundred years for. <laughs> well, that, that's a good point. Wouldn't you think though, with baseball, they would want its fans, potential new fans, to see the most important games, yet they continue to put these things on at the worst possible times. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of these games are getting over extremely late. You know, They put them on on weird times. Now, I know baseball is pleased with its overall attendance through the turnstiles. and It's the young fans, though, who are not getting excited to the game. They'd rather play really anything else, and even those who play baseball will admit it's just too slow to watch. And yet MLB continues to broadcast games at inconvenient times for youth to watch. Well, on top of that, how anyone can find where the games are is beyond me. 
Mm-hmm. You have to sort of have a, a glossary, a chart, some sort of reference system to find out what channel the stupid games are on. I mean, I'm a baseball fan, and I'm, I'm, I probably stuck with my search a little longer than most, but I was looking all over the place. Is this thing on TBS? Is it on Fox Sports 1? Is it on MLB Network? Which, by the way, how many homes is MLB Network really in? Wouldn't you want your games on one of the broadcast networks? You want mm-hmm. people to see it. The other night, because the Cubs-Cardinals game was running late, TBS moved the Mets-Dodgers to TNT. So if you're going through your channel guide, your on-screen guide, it made no reference. I think Castle is what was on. They were saying, oh, yeah, it's Castle. But they're on, the Mets-Dodgers are on TNT. Then it resumed on TBS after the other game was over. I mean, how do you keep up with it? It's like they're intentionally trying to hide the games. <laughs> It's about whoever pays the most to televise the game so they can run their commercials. New fans be darned. Baseball couldn't care any less about you. I don't, I don't understand how they're following them. No, it's weird. And it's, it's like you said, it bounces around. I think last, was it last year they had games on USA Network too? Like they're just all over the place. You get it when it's the, the tournament, the March Madness tournament, mm-hmm. NCAA basketball. There's so many games that they're on. I don't know six or eight different channels. I get that. But there's only a, there's one game at a time for the most yeah. part in baseball. Put it on a broadcast network and let people see the games. Get them excited. You know, another thing I didn't understand, and maybe you can help me out with this. The Buffalo Bills last week wore wristbands that said, yes, sir, on them. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand they get a lot of penalties, but what the, the idea was... That's all that Coach Ryan wanted the players to say was, yes, sir. That's all they were to say to the refs. That's what they were supposed to say is say, yes, sir, and walk away and not not protest anything. But how how were the wristbands going to handle that? Well, I guess they were supposed to see the wristbands and remember to behave themselves and not take penalties or something. But the way that, I mean, they're all gloved up and taped up and wearing sweatbands and stuff. I don't know if any of them could see the wristbands or not, but they did take a lot fewer penalties. In, in, in the heat of the, well, maybe it will. In the heat of the moment, you're, you're getting all excited and you look at your wristband and you think, oh, I gotta. That's I gotta right. I gotta settle role. down. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe. We should wear them in the studio and see. Are we a lot calmer if we wear them? After the Royals won their series clincher, did you see, I think it was, uh, Johnny Gomes was, Swinging his kid around, you know, like a dad, you grab him up by the arms, you're swinging. But he knocked over somebody else's kid. I can't even remember <laughs> who it was, but it's like you're watching one of those shows where you see the videos where people are just intentionally getting, maybe not intentionally, but getting hurt. So you pick up the kid, he's swinging around, and bam, knocks the other kid over. <laughs> I'm going to have to go find that now. Oh, live TV. It's, it's, it's awesome. Speaking of live TV. This wasn't TV. Do you hear? This isn't even sports related. It's just so outrageous. Oh, good. That this woman in Florida live streamed herself driving drunk last Saturday night using what? Here, I'm going to give you my age here because using a smartphone application called Periscope. Are you familiar with Periscope? I'm not familiar with. I'm Periscope. not. I know that it exists, but I think I'm too old to be into it. So this this gal is driving drunk. She gets live streams herself through this mobile phone application 
I am drunk beyond belief, people. I am super drunk right now in a place I don't really want to be. So hi, everybody in different countries, <laughs> slurring her words, telling people she's lost. She got a flat tire. Police ended up being able to use the app. Now, the the way the report that I read was kind of comical because nobody really knew Periscope, what's Periscope. Finally, some young policeman says, well, I understand what it is. And helps them find out and track where she is and they ended up they ended up arresting the lady. But man, people are just nuts. But at this point we should know. Don't put yourself on the internet doing stupid stuff because people will find you. Like it you can't hide on the internet. We got lots of stuff to talk about in today's show. We got of course the baseball players. We're gonna talk more about that. We're gonna talk about um, the Chase Utley slide. We have not had an opportunity to give you our views on that or to talk about Detroit Lions receiver Golden Tate. He had some comments after their humiliating loss to the Cardinals. And uh, and it was humiliating. Oh, my god, It was humiliating. We'll talk about Steve Spurrier, who stepped down this week. Coming up later in the program, you're listening to Benson and Those Guys, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Benson and Those Guys is Town & Country Pest Solutions. Serving Rochester for over 25 years, Town & Country Pest Solutions' team of knowledgeable professionals can make your pest problem a thing of the past. Alligators, ants, bedbugs, snakes, yellow jackets, they do it all. Take back your home and put your mind at ease. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. McAfee's Remodeling is a full-service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows, and for exterior and interior remodels, no one beats their personal and professional service. Call McAfee's Remodeling at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. Welcome back to Benson and Nose, guys. If you've watched any of the baseball playoffs, you saw plenty of what I would say, awful announcing. I mean, some of it has just oh, been. Man, yeah. I was watching the end of the Royals, um, Orioles Astros. Excuse me, I drew, drew a blank there. And it was, I, I'm laughing to myself because it's, it's the eighth inning and the announcer, and I can't think of who it was, is going on about Kansas City having not given up a five run lead in the ninth all season long. And the first time I heard it, I thought, that's a kind of odd thing to say. Then he kept saying it a second time. I think he said it three or four times. Maybe he said it once or twice, but it seemed to me because it was just such a stupid thing to say. He's going on. He says, again, Kansas City having not given up. They haven't given up a five-run lead in the ninth. And I'm thinking, and just then, A.J. Pruszynski, who never really considered A.J. Pruszynski the 
uh, the rational guy for anything, yeah, but he's he got to step meathead. in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he steps in and he says, you know, th- most teams don't give up a, f- a five run lead in the ninth. That's true. And he called the commentator out on it and there was kind of an awkward silence, which I was enjoying, but he said what I had been thinking for a couple of minutes. You're making a big run, big deal over teams that haven't given up a five run lead in the ninth. So the stat guy comes a couple of minutes later, the stat guy reports back and he says, he says, well, in this past year, it only happened one time. <laughs> so this guy is making a big deal. It happened one time. The record was like 640-some, 650-some times, and one mm-hmm. where teams had a five-run lead in the ninth. And then at the end of the game, they're jumping around. The celebrations we alluded to earlier, uh they're swinging kids around, knocking other kids <laughs> over. But the the announcer says, well, here's Kansas City, and, and celebrating postseason has become a bit of an annual ritual around here. Um, it's just the second year in a row now? Twice. Yeah. An annual ritual? Let's slow down just a little bit. I'm yeah, glad for him. This I'm, is only the second annual. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Jeez. It's like when you're hearing these shows, and they say things like, this is the first time that's happened since 2014. Okay, that was only a year ago. They do it all yeah. the time. Oh yeah, they haven't they haven't scored this many runs in since 2012. That's only a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's not a sense. Or you'll get the ones that they haven't scored 12 runs on a Sunday while wearing their road uniforms with a pitcher who was wearing <laughs> a beard. You know, like, and they get these these stats, and you're just like, where is this coming from? What does this even mean? You don't even know. I think. I think most pregame shows are unwatchable, whether you're talking baseball, football, whatever. Uh, you might enjoy them. You're a stats guy. I get it. But I think most of them are unwatchable. Between oh, the agree. saturation of meaningless stats and the sappy human interest stories, uh, the broadcasters themselves are there because most of them can't get a job in play-by-play or even color commentating. It, the networks prop up these former athletes who – don't have an original thought in their head and who many times are so poorly spoken, you have to wonder, how did they even get here? What I really hate are when you get those guys and they're like, well, back when I played. Oh, yeah, always talking about their own. Yeah, Yeah. the game's totally different. The athletes are totally different. It's You can't really even compare anymore. And some of these guys are so poorly spoken, you're thinking, you've done it since childhood. You've been talking... Since childhood, somewhere along the way, you would think someone somehow would have learned to enunciate and use proper English. And Fox has gone out of its way to find the worst of the worst. And that's <laughs> that's all-time hits leader Pete Rose. Now, listen, I think Pete Rose belongs in the Hall of Fame because what he did at a baseball field. I mean, I, he was terrific as a ball player. But he's never going in as a broadcaster. Listen, he's not going to be late for any Mensa clubs because he's <laughs> never going to be invited. I found myself watching the pregame show a second time. Uh, not the same one, but I, I tuned in yet again to the pregame show. It's it's like you, I couldn't avert my eyes. I had to hear what this what he was going to say next. It was so awful. Like you go past one of those crashes on the highway and you yeah. just – you have to look. You just can't look away. This is what that was like. He could not look any more unnatural. He could not look any more uncomfortable. And it's so bad that it's been, it's sort of unsettling to even watch. 
the other night to watch him defend Chase Utley's slide as uh, nothing more than good hard-nosed baseball. And we'll talk more about this later in the program, but Pete Rose is saying that's just good hard-nosed baseball, and he's antagonizing uh, C.J. Nitkowski, who's also there, uh, and, and the discussion was comical. So Nitkowski made his point and uh, well said, well spoken. Um, he makes his point, and Rose comes at him like, like some drunk trying to argue that the world is really flat. <laughs> well, you don't know, and he's going on. And then he had this to say about Josh Donaldson. I just don't understand. I mean, does everybody know what we're playing for now? Yeah. I mean, you, you get a tweak and you got to leave the game. You get a knee on the head and you got a helmet on. You got to leave the game and go take a test that you pass. I mean, because you're a little lightheaded. I got a lightheaded. How many times in my career I still went out there and played? I guess it's just different from when I played to when they're playing today, Frank. Just to reset that, you remember Josh Donaldson slid into second base and it took, a, took, knee to took a knee to the head and left the game a little later for precautionary reasons. But to, to listen to the to Pete Rose there, and it, it's so funny as he's, I don't understand. Can you play the first part of that? Because you hear Eric Carroll jump in. I think it was Eric Carroll. Yeah, it had to be because it wasn't Frank Thomas. Uh, he jumped, yeah. I just don't understand. I mean, does everybody know what we're playing for now? Yeah. 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 I you remember, you remember that old cartoon where you had the big dog and you had the little dog and the little dog was just like, yip, 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 I'm just so, I'm hanging out with this big dog. What do you want to do next, Spike? Isn't it great we're hanging out, Spike? Isn't this great, Spike? That's Eric Carros with Pete Rose. <laughs> Eric Carros is the little dog. Pete Rose is, hey, Pete, what do you want to do now, Pete? Hey, whatever Pete Rose said, Eric Carros was right there. Yeah. 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 Those are, hey, those guys are both great players who are terrible broadcasters. I agree. I'm, I'm just having a little fun with it because, they're great, great ball players, but didn't you get the idea that Rose was just trying to establish himself as maybe the toughest guy on the set? And he's, yeah, he, Josh Donaldson shouldn't have come out of the game and he should have just hung in there. And Chase Utley was just a hard nose. So he's like, yeah. yeah, trying to establish himself. I'm the toughest guy on the set. That's the way we, like some old guy who still thinks he can kick everybody's butt, like that old guy in the wedding singer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, but then again, it, it, in what seems an attempt to prove how tough he is, he rails on Josh Donaldson for being soft. The best part was when Pete Rose is like, yeah, I got hit in the head and I was lightheaded and I still played. Be like, And we're all suffering the consequences yeah, of that right maybe now. Maybe you should Pete have come Rose. out of a game or two. Maybe you want to so. be where we are now. I've heard one or two talk show hosts actually get on board with Rose and try to say that Donaldson was being overly cautious, which I'm sure is just banter to get the ratings needle to move a little bit on their behalf. To that I say this, though. The average career is what, less than 10 years? The average lifespan, which you mentioned earlier, is over 70 years. That means there's 60 years of real life. And to com compromise your health for the rest of your life for the sake of a few short years of professional athlete's career, it it's utterly absurd. Just ask all those NFL guys and Boxers dealing with the repercussions of head impact injuries. Just ask uh, what you ought to ask. You can't ask Pete Rose. He doesn't know any better, but <laughs> just look at Pete Rose. Everyone would go back and change things if they could. Same with mo some of the, uh, most of the steroids guys. I say most, maybe not most. Ask but the family of, Ant of uh, Junior Seau. Yeah. If, uh, if Josh Donaldson is just being soft for taking care of his brain, you know? It's just not worth it. 
to take extra precautions to avoid long-term effects is, is, is in fact a good idea. And for guys like Pete Rose to act like playground bullies because they have a platform and a microphone just, just really makes them look foolish. Folks, let me talk to you for just a second. You've heard us say time and time again on this show that our title sponsor, Town and Country Pest Solutions, are the best. We say that even if they weren't giving us money. You know why? Because they are the best. Maybe we just wouldn't say it as often. Hey, have you seen all those stink bugs out there? Don't squish them. That's where they get their name. Are they bothering you? Call Town and Country. Are mice or other furry critters using your home as an escape for the upcoming cold? Call Town and Country. Do you have bed bugs? Do you know someone who does? Call Town and Country. Their team of extremely knowledgeable professionals will get the job done for you. They'll be in, they'll be out, and they'll inconvenience you a lot less than those pesky critters have been. Town and Country Pest Solutions guarantees their work. Call Town and Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town and Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Benson and those guys, otherwise known as smooth criminals. Steve Spurrier this week announced he's stepping down at South Carolina. I I was a Spurrier fan. I he, you know for me he it's hard just, not to be. Yeah, he sort of defined what what it is to be a football coach. He just seemed to have that balance of things that made him what they called him head ball coach. He's tough. He was never never any doubt who was in charge on a Spurrier team. He connected to his players even when he's giving them an earful on the sideline. He's often humorous with the media. That made him enduring. He commented once on a dormitory fire at Auburn, which was said to have destroyed 20 books, and Spurrier responds that the real tragedy was 15 hadn't even been colored yet. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. It's a good run. My man had a good run. He won a Heisman Trophy, played in the NFL, won a national championship with his alma mater, which has got to feel good. You're going to win a championship and to do it at the place you went to school. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a good run. I'm sorry to sorry to see him go. But it was sort of apparent he just wasn't going to be able to do at South Carolina the things that he did at Florida. He didn't have the horses. He didn't have the horses he needed. Now, he's come out and said that uh, they need a new voice, just wasn't hearing his voice anymore. I, I I think even if they were, he just didn't have the the tools that he needed there. He didn't have the talent there, and there just wasn't any light at the end of the tunnel. And I know I've heard some say that he's giving up, that he quit on his team, but I don't know. I guess maybe it would have been better had he stepped down prior to the season or maybe made his way to the end of the season. But I I just don't think Spurrier is a guy that gives up. That's not his style. At 70-year-old, I think it's just more accepting, accepting it for what it is and perhaps recognizing that the fight just isn't there as it once was, that perhaps the program has benefited from his time there, but now it's time for someone else and time to take the next steps. And I think he said something, too, about how he was not really an effective recruiter anymore and it was hurting the program. He said that at his, I think, right, at his age, he wasn't traveling as well or something. And yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see Spurrier as a quitter. You can call him that and, you know, maybe there would have been a better time, but I don't, I don't see him as a quitter. Now, I didn't know this until recently, but one story, which is, which shows why I say he wasn't someone to give up. 
uh, he had just too much determination to win. It was back in 1966. Florida was playing Auburn in a football game with a score tied at 27. Spurrier was the team's quarterback. He's trying to convince his coach to let him kick a field goal to win the game. Story goes that he hadn't even practiced kicking in weeks. Spurrier's argument at the time was it wasn't that long. Most guys can kick 40. Spurrier was able to convince his coach to let him do it. They say he changed into a square toe shoot, nailed the kick, and won the game. <laughs> That's Steve Spurrier. Of course, that would also be the year that he won the Heisman Trophy. Speaking of Steves that are leaving football, how how bad do you feel for USC fans? Oh, man. That have they, whole thing is crazy. Have they hit rock bottom yet? I hope so. Ranked in the top 10 in preseason polls, the Trojans are not even in the top 25 now. Rival Stanford is a top 10. More significantly, mega rival UCLA is a top 25 pro, or top 20 program. But I gotta tell you, I don't feel bad for USC fans one bit. Well, maybe I feel little for the fans. I mean, there's nothing they can really do about how inept the football program has become. And although I guess they could find someone else to root for and could stop going to the games and stop supporting their sorry butts. I say that, but, you know, I know darn well that's not what I would do. <laughs> Syracuse stinks year after year, and I still root for them. I just pacify myself by saying nobody really expects them to do anything anyway. So I guess you're turning me around on this. I guess good for you, loyal USC fan. Here's to you. But the leadership should be ashamed of itself. I told you on this program back in August that USC is better than this. They're better than this. I said when head coach Steve Sarkeesian showed up drunk at a USC event that the university had better carefully monitor this situation. And by the university, I meant the president of the university, not the athletic director, who is Pat Hayden. Pat Hayden said at the time that he didn't think formal discipline was necessary. Excuse me? What? I, I know this is your guy. I know, you know, Ed Ergeron was moved along and, and you could bring in your guy, but your guy just showed up drunk. Your guy just showed up drunk using foul language, and if Pat Hayden were a friend, he would have gotten Sarkeesian help, not simply give the situation a, ways, a wave. Well, this week, Sarkeesian stepped away from the team to seek help and soon after was dismissed as head football coach. For people close to the situation, reports are that this is nothing new, Sarkeesian's problems. There have been rumors and murmurs for quite a while. Then he shows up drunk. He blames a mixture of alcohol and prescription drugs. Then he says he does not have a problem but plans to seek unspecified treatment. A treatment? If there's no problem, why is there a need for treatment? Yeah. After that, he announced that he was banning parents from attending practices. Remember we talked about that? Yeah, we did. Why, why don't you want parents around? That seems a little bit odd to me. I think having the extra accountability might have been a good thing since there doesn't seem to be any with your friend and boss, Hayden. I was told back then that it really wasn't a big deal. I was asked why I was even talking about it. So what if he had a few drinks? So what if he swore a lot? He just humiliated himself. That's not really true. He humiliated the university, too. Yeah. Well, this is why. Clearly, Sarkeesian does have a problem, and just sweeping it under the rug was irresponsible and unfair to him. It was unfair to the team. It's unfair to the parents of those players who trusted the coach 
to make those young men a priority. Pat Hayden had a responsible to, responsibility, I should say, to get Sarkeesian the help he clearly needed. But if you want to stick your neck out and protect your coach and hide the problem, it's possible you could get fortunate. The problem doesn't escalate, and though it's ir- uh, an irresponsible gamble, you look good for sticking your neck out for him. But it's much, much, much more likely that the problem blows up in your face, and as a result, you should be held accountable for your lack of action, and you should be dismissed right along with the coach. Put yourself in the shoes of the parents of one of Sarkeesian's players. As a parent, don't you want to know if there's a problem, if the coach has a, has a substance problem, an alcohol problem? Shouldn't you be informed that there's a problem, but we're getting him the help he needs? Way back then, that's what should have happened. Hayden should have said, we're, listen, there is a problem, but we're taking care of it and we're getting Sarkeesian the help he needs. If Hayden were a leader, he would have helped Sarkeesian and protected him, not just protected him. He could have insisted to his friend, hey, get the help you need. Come back whenever you're healthy. He could have announced that Sarkeesian would have been away for, would be away for a while, but that he was in a program to get the necessary help. But unlike C.C. Sabathia, who we talked about, who decided to, that getting help was more important than playing his, his playing baseball, playing his sport, I suspect turning a somewhat blind eye to the problem as Hayden did and keeping your head coach around had something to do, and I, I don't know this to be true, but I, this is just a sense I get, had something to do with needing to have a good season for the sake of your program. USC mm-hmm. needed to have a good year. And if that were true, if that is true, Pat Hayden needs to be shown the door, and I do mean now. If you want to be a leader, or if you're in a place of leadership, you got to know that you're you're going to have to make some tough decisions. There may be times when you have to tell a good friend that they have a problem, that they need help. It's hard to give the hard truth, but that's what a true friend does. The Bible says in Proverbs 27, 6, that faithful are the wounds of a friend. Man, sometimes a friend, a true friend, will tell you the truth no matter how hard it hurts. Not everyone will accept your help. Not everyone responds well to to correction. I get it. King David, however, appreciated the help of those who corrected him. You might remember how he responds to Nathan in 2 Samuel chapter 12. Psalm 145, this is David writing. He says, Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil for my head. Let my head not refuse it, yet my prayer is continually against their evil deeds. He says that correction is a kindness. A study of the language used in that verse suggests, you know, an act of loyalty. A loyal friend will correct. That's kind. A loyal friend corrects one another even when it's painful, even when the relationship itself may be put at risk. My point goes, to both the friend giving the correction and the friend receiving. It takes great grace to give good, godly correction. And it takes perhaps even more grace to receive it. Spiritual growth sometimes comes through difficult and perhaps unpleasant correction of a loyal friend. Pat Hayden needed to be that friend. Mm -hmm. Benson and those guys brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions townandcountrysolutions.com We'll be back right after this short break.
Tim Hiller was striving for a prized roster spot with the Indianapolis Colts when six words changed everything. We have to let you go. In his new book, Strive, former collegiate and NFL quarterback Tim Hiller leads you on a year-long journey, taking small steps each week on the path to making your life matter and to developing more and more into the person God designed you to be. Strive by Tim Hiller, now available on Amazon or at timhiller.com. McAfee's Remodeling is a full-service remodeling company, locally owned and operated for nearly two decades. McAfee's team of professionals can help remodel or replace your windows, and for exterior and interior remodels, no one beats their personal and professional service. Call McAfee's Remodeling at 585-402-1070. That's 585-402-1070. Or visit them online at McAfeeRemodeling.com. You know, obviously, one of the one of the drawbacks of doing a weekly sports talk show is the things change so quickly in the sports world, and often by the time we get to it, the topic's been well debated, it's been well covered. But mm-hmm. what brings us great joy, and I guess I'm speaking for Zach here, but what brings us great satisfaction is that doing sports as we do from a faith based perspective affords us a very unique privilege of discussing the topic in a way nobody else does. Nobody else is going to bring some of the points out that we make in some of these sports sports stories. And you know why that is? Because Christians can either listen to secular sports shows or preaching programs or music, but there, but there really isn't anything, you know, there isn't specific shows for that are, that are faith-based. If you want to listen to uh, a faith-based show, you're probably going to be listening to preaching. You can listen mm-hmm. to sports. You're probably going to be listening to secular, or you can listen to Christian music. But can I admit to you, Zach, that I find I find most Christian music unlistenable. I'm right there with you. I, I want to like it, but I I I often don't. Now I've got plenty of it on my iPod, but if you looked at it, it's mostly old school. <laughs> uh, you ever heard a second chapter of Acts? No. Why? I was thinking maybe you were going to say Keith Green. Well, I, I have plenty of Keith Green. That's right. That's in the same, same era. On satellite radio, I can listen to Southern gospel music, gospel with soul music, or what amounts to Christian top 40. And I should really say top 20 as I don't think they have more than any 20 <laughs> songs that they play. And most of it's just awful. And sometimes I think that's what the Lord meant when he said believers would suffer for his sake. <laughs> there goes our chance of being on any of those stations. <laughs> <laughs> but as far as sports shows go, I only know very uh, of very few others shows like this one. Not for nothing, but none are as good because we have the best producer in all of faith-based sports <laughs> talk show programming. You can't be talking about me, so I got to meet well, who I this am. guy is. How, uh, yeah, the the Zach, you're the best producer of faith-based sports talk show programming. And do, what do people think though by that? Do they think believers are not sports fans? Is that why you don't have any faith-based sports shows? Would they? Do they think that believers are not interested in mixing faith and sports into one program? In fact, why why are the options for believers simply preaching music or secular shows? What about faith-based political shows? What about faith-based entertainment shows? I know there's 
There's that show here or there, but for the most part, there's not a lot of faith-based options. So I guess we should say, you're welcome, America. And you're stuck with us. And I guess, <laughs> and I guess that if you know of a believer who's a big sports fan, let him know about this program. Be that guy with inside information and tip him off. You'll feel cool. They'll be grateful. And so will we. But, but I digress. That, that's not my point. I don't even know what my point was. Oh, I guess I started by saying we can talk about things, you know, a little while after it was relevant, mm-hmm. after the incident happened many days ago you've likely heard any number of opinions and well-made points regarding the chase utley slide that broke the leg of ruben Tejada, but you have not heard anywhere our points on the matter and so zach when we talk about it now the slide was late the slide was illegal the umps blew it baseball blew it and that's it okay turning the hockey (laughs) <laughs> no, of course I just, we'll get into it a little bit more, but seriously, I, I've heard talk show hosts who, who I respect say, say things like there's no doubt the play, play was dirty. Well, there is doubt. That's why there's so many people debating it. If there was no doubt, it would be so cut and dry. Nobody would be talking about it. So there is some doubt. You can't say there was no doubt that the play was dirty. I think part of that, and this even happened in our texting about it, is the use of the word dirty. Where I use the word dirty to mean, you know, not a textbook, not a good slide, but you used it to mean with intent to injure. And you can argue in, intent to injure that, you know, whether there was or wasn't, but there's no doubt that it was late. Yeah. I mean, neither you or I know for sure, but I don't get the sense that Utley, that was Utley's design was to injure. So I, I don't think it was dirty, but I would say it was careless. Right. And I tell you, though, no matter what it was, baseball messed the thing up. To not immediately call him out for interference was preposterous to me. I mean, it was a late slide. It, there's no doubt about he it. He never what did it, touch the bag, did he? I, I don't know. You know, that was one of the things I've heard, that um, he's he wasn't even anywhere near the bag. Well, he was near the bag. Mm-hmm. If you go to instant, they should have called him up. But what they do, they go to instant replay, they put Utley back on second base, and that was beyond preposterous. You had two chances to get it right, and you failed miserably both times. And then to suspend Utley was nothing more than a pathetic attempt by baseball's front office to cover up a wrong that occurred on the field. How do you suspend a player for an action for which he wasn't even called out for on the field? Mm-hmm. How, how do you suspend a player for an action for which no other player has been suspended for previously that I know of? And how in the world did you come up with two games? Utley's appeal, uh, which be heard a week later. I mean, what do you got going on that you can't get to this thing? Why couldn't, why couldn't they hear it right away? That was bizarre to me. Well, we'll hear it next week. The series is over. Yeah. So what if he hits, you know, in between? And obviously that series is over now when this show airs, but what if in between there, while he's playing under appeal, he hits a home run that knocks the Mets out and advances the Dodgers, you know, and it's because you couldn't hear his appeal right away. Like, they're setting themselves up to make this even worse. What in the world do you have going on? You can't move your calendar around a little bit and get this thing figured out? I tell you, though, if I'm Outley's defense lawyer, I take a page out of Tom Brady's book. I say that baseball, uh, you can't, you never made me aware of the potential suspension for Mm -hmm. such an action. Therefore, 
you can't suspend me. And as ridiculous as that sound, we all know it works. Well, we know it works until the appeal, that Brady's appeal will finally be heard if that ever comes around. Here's just a thought or two before I give you my take on the overall situation. And as Zach and I said, for, you know, what constitutes a dirty play? Is it intent to urge, injure? I don't think it was dirty. I do think it was careless. I've heard a number of people say Utley was not even close to the bag. From what I saw, he seemed well within reach of it. One of baseball's many unwritten rules suggests that as long as the runner could touch the bag, he could try to break, break up the double play. He's got to be within reach of the bag. I think Utley was there. Uh, I guess what I'm saying, it, it was careless. I don't think Utley intended to injure Tejada, and his apology afterward seems sincere. I imagine Major League Baseball will look at this. They'll make some sort of rule adjustment in the offseason, and rightly so, as they did with collisions with catchers. It's not pansifying the game. It is protecting the players. Very, by the way, high-priced players. I appreciate hard-nosed, aggressive play. I'm all for breaking up the double play, and I like the adjustments that, to plays at the plate. I like what they've done there. But these guys are human beings with careers and lives in front of them, as we talked about earlier. Putting them in a position to get hurt for your entertainment so you can be all tough guy and old school, well, it's irresponsible, and frankly, it's really unfair. But here's the overriding problem. Unwritten rules are stupid. Unwritten rules, they're just stupid. They lead to uncertain responses. Without a clearly communicated definition of the rules, a set of boundaries to be able to know what is and what is not allowable, without that, then what is legal to do is left to interpretation. What I see one way, Zach will see incorrectly. (laughs) Major League Baseball puts its umpires in a bad position from the start, and then replay officials were thrust into the position of interpreting what occurred on the field and how to make and how the field judge how the field umpires judged that play they had to make that interpretation there's just too many interpretations and you cannot allow umpires to overlook that play all year long and then expect them to enforce it in the playoffs when it matters most players got accustomed to playing within a certain set of guidelines and expectations, officials have gotten accustomed to ruling within that same certain set of guidelines and expectations. To change it in the playoffs is asking players and umpires to readjust on the fly and to do so in a shortened period of time, where the stakes are the highest and under the strictest scrutiny. Allow me this application, if you will. Well, it's our show, so we'll make the application if we want to. (laughs) Isn't that the same to be true in our lives when we overlook our sin? How can I expect to deal with my sin when I've simply chosen to overlook it for so long? Let me give you an example. When I overlook a subtle, seemingly harmless little sin in my life, I begin to accept it. I know cheating is wrong, but it's only this one time. It's only on my taxes. It's only fudging my time card. However I justify it, I'm compromising my own integrity. I become numb to the idea that I am even sinning. And when it becomes necessary to deal with that sin, I'm more likely to have a hard time doing so because I've come to enjoy that sin so much. The sin benefits me, and I enjoy those benefits. And let's face it, most of us have sin in our lives which we enjoy. We fight to confront it and typically spend more time justifying it and accepting it. The more you overlook it, the harder it gets to overcome it. Whether you are concealing your sin 
or even cultivating that sin, what we really need to do is confront that sin. Romans 8.13 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. We are either slaves to sin or slaves of righteousness. John 8.34 says, Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. We become slaves to it. We ought to be holy. First Peter 1.16 says, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We ought to instead choose to be righteous, choose to be slaves of righteousness. Don't let sin have control in your life. When we start allowing sin to have liberty, and by that I mean justifying sin, even the small ones, it festers, it grows, and before long we allow bigger and bigger sin into our lives. Christian, let's not overlook even the smallest of sins in our life. Remembering that Christ gave his all for us. But it wasn't only the big sins that Christ went to the cross for. He gave himself even for the small ones. I'm Benson. You're listening to Benson and Those Guys, brought to you by Town & Country Pest Solutions. Title sponsor of Benson and Those Guys is Town & Country Pest Solutions. Serving Rochester for over 25 years, Town & Country Pest Solutions team of knowledgeable professionals can make your pest problem a thing of the past. Alligators, ants, bedbugs, snakes, yellow jackets, they do it all. Take back your home and put your mind at ease. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions, fearing nothing but God. Tim Hiller was striving for a prized roster spot with the Indianapolis Colts when six words changed everything. We have to let you go. In his new book, Strive, former collegiate and NFL quarterback Tim Hiller leads you on a year-long journey, taking small steps each week on the path to making your life matter and to developing more and more into the person God designed you to be. Strive by Tim Hiller, now available on Amazon or at timhiller.com. He got him! A strikeout! The Cubs win! The Chicago Cubs are heading to the National League Championship Series! Who would have thought that? The Chicago Cubs. They're so fun, and they're so good. Going to the playoffs was... That was exciting for itself, but now they're going to... The, every step they take just gets more and more... Wow, could this really be the year that the Cubs actually do it? And we were talking about this during the break. Like, is there a reason why they shouldn't be the favorite? I mean, they had the number three record in all of baseball, and they've knocked out the top two teams on their way here. So, I yeah, think... we talked a little bit about that last week. Uh, the, that wild card was a disadvantage in the National League because that Pirates Cubs. I would like to have seen more of that. Mm -hmm. One, the three best teams sitting there in that one division. And two of them have to play a one-game elimination. The elimination games are exciting, but I think that needed to be a little more of a series. But the Cubs did. They beat the Pirates, mm -hmm. one of the top teams in all of baseball. Then they beat the Cardinals, one of the top. No, they're the very top yeah. team in all of baseball. So they've beaten two incredibly good teams. The only two teams that had better records than the Cubs. The Cubs beat them. And now... Now they move on. I mean, yeah, I think, Zach, you're right. They should be considered the favorite 
from here on, no matter who they play, mm-hmm. if they make the World Series, whether they if they play the Blue Jays, Royals, doesn't matter. But they beat baseball. They are fun to watch. They're they're great. Good good for the Cubs. It's exciting. The city is electrified yeah. and. Um, I've watched, I've actually, I haven't watched much baseball because hockey, but I, I've watched some of the Cubs games. I haven't watched much of the American League at all. And you got the, the, the Royals. We talked about that earlier in the show. We t- mentioned the, the announcers. That was, that was a tough series with Houston. Houston's mm-hmm. got to be very excited for, for where they are. They should be very pleased with themselves. Yeah. The most, everybody you listen to, the most common thing I've heard is whether well, you're ahead of schedule or you're year ahead of schedule. Yeah, we all know that, but there's never any guarantee on that. Mm-hmm. So when you write these, uh, these evaluations or what I, what, what am I trying to say? When, when you write these things, oh, well, the, the, the Astros will arrive next year. They've got a great, stock of young talent that's never guaranteed yeah you hear that about teams all the time so in this case it it happened i don't know that it's necessarily a year early the fact is it happened whether it was supposed to be next year or this year the astros were good Mm -hmm. and And they're like the cubs and that they're here to stay for a long time or so it would seem so that was a good series with the royals Uh, then you got the blue jays now Good for the Blue Jays. I'm not taking anything away from them, but the the Rangers choked that away. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, three straight errors, and Elvis Andrus, who's supposed to be this great defensive shortstop, is involved in all three of them. That's got to be a long winter for him. Oh yeah. You feel, but I, they're major league players. You know, do they get nervous? I mean, at that level, do you get nervous? But boy, they sure played like they were nervous. They had that three two. That was a crazy, crazy game five. And the guys that were involved in those errors are guys that were on their World Series teams. They've been here. They've been in these pressure pack situations. It was just mind blowing to see that meltdown. And you see a call when Russell Martin throws that ball back, hits the bat, and then craziness ensues. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what's going on. There's so much rules that need to be applied in that situation. One guy, Harold Reynolds, actually knew what was going on. Of all the guys, it was him. Yeah, he knew what was going on. But that was crazy. Now, they're playing the game under protest. If the Rangers end up winning that game, how do you feel if you're Russell Martin? You just cost the team a a chance. Wow, that, that was just crazy. And then you get those three errors that led to the runs. I mean, the Royals, uh, excuse, I said the Royals, the, the Blue Jays really, I'm not, again, I'm not taking anything away. They won those games. Good for them, but they could just as easily be sitting home. Yeah. The Rangers threw them the alley-oop. Like they were, they didn't have, I mean, they did a lot. Uh, Batista hit that massive home run to seal it and everything, but I mean, the Rangers really handed it to them on a platter for the taking. Well, let's talk about that for a minute because you brought it up. The Batista home run. Oh, man. Everybody's been talking about it. Could it have happened to a less likable guy? Now, I'm not a Batista fan. Now, I will admit this guy has got so much talent. He's got a flair for the dramatic. He hits big home runs. But I I equate him with David Ortiz. I'm going to tell you why I don't like these guys as ball players. I have no idea what they're like as humans. But they feel um, very indignant. If you pitch inside, like, like they're entitled. How dare you pitch me inside? 
they get very almost angry about it and they just command themselves with this i'm here now you'll you'll pitch me out over the plate where i like it and don't dare come inside mm-hmm. that earlier in the series where they had that the benches clearing uh, Bautista's right up front you know almost how dare you challenge us how dare you mm-hmm. so this guy is already somebody that i'm not a big fan of he hits that home run and man he did crush it mm-hmm. big home run i get it but then everybody's talking about the bat flip but let's 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 be real this was not a bat flip this was a freaking toss he stood there for what felt like forever and stood there and posed and watched it and then he chucked the bat and you know and then he got into his trap but i mean Come on. I mean, we talked about the Cubs the other day. Kyle Schwarber hits that moonshot up onto the top of the scoreboard at Wrigley Field. And he watched it for a few seconds. And he dropped the bat, went around the bases, went straight into the dugout. And, I mean, this guy's a kid. Batista's one of the older guys in the game and certainly on that roster. You don't have to stand there for five minutes and then whip the bat. Now, I'm going to be I'm gonna be honest. I didn't like it. I didn't like it. I'm not overly critical though and i'll tell you why it was a big moment this wasn't a game Mm -hmm. played in april or may it wasn't a time when they had a seven run lead this was a huge emotional moment i didn't have as much of a problem with the the tossing of the bat as i did with the staring at the pitcher don't Mm -hmm. show your opponent up i think that's classless and toronto fans as a whole well i shouldn't say as a whole winning games is new to them well, the way they conducted themselves, throwing stuff. Throwing stuff on the field, yeah. You know, the pictures of mothers protecting their children. Uh, man, that's dangerous. The stuff you're throwing around, mm-hmm. uh, man, they ought to be embarrassed. And if you were caught, and I understand one guy has been arrested and charged and has a pending court date, they should, if they could get video and they can prove whoever, they should all, they should all be arrested. Absolutely. But getting back to the home run for just a second, uh, again, the staring at the pitcher I had a problem with. I didn't like the, I didn't like the toss, but I, I get the emotions of it. I don't want to take the fun out of the game. I think, I don't think you're playing with, I wonder how much I say, it. I think you could have been classier in that situation. Yeah. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get on him too bad. Uh, but here's what I will say. I've heard a lot of people getting on um, the pitcher's name who threw it, Dyson. Sam Dyson. Sam Dyson. To get it, cause Sam Dyson made, uh, on Twitter, he made, uh, the, the statement that basically implying that this, this was uncool, that a lot of people look up to him. Now, somebody that's around you sports, and they, here's what I heard a lot of people saying was, oh, how's that going to affect young people? Why is that a bad thing? He's, he's still a role. I'll tell you why, as I just started to say, as somebody, who's around you sports a lot, what you see in the major leagues does trickle down oh, in a very short period of time. So you're going to see a young person, maybe not often, maybe not right away. I don't. At some point, you're going to see a kid throw a bat, and mm-hmm. it's a dangerous situation because he doesn't have the control of the bat as Jose Bautista does. Now, again, I'm not... I don't want to get on him too much, and I'm and I'm bringing up something that's not going to happen a lot, but it is going to happen, and I think you have to remember that you are a role model in those situations. Absolutely. It's been a little bit longer than that. I don't like it. I don't necessarily hate it. I'm not going to go over the top of it. 
But you got Mets and Cubs coming up. That's pretty exciting. New York, Chicago, kind of like that series. Good pitching, good young hitters with the Cubs, good young pitching on the Mets. That's going to be a great series. I think no matter who wins in American League, Mets-Cubs will be better than the World Series. Mets-Cubs, is it's two young teams that are back after a long absence. They both have dynamic, exciting young players, the Cubs hitting versus the Mets pitching. That's the one I'm looking forward to. Folks, let me talk to you for just a second. You've heard us say time and time again on this show that our title sponsor, Town & Country Pest Solutions, are the best. We'd say that even if they weren't giving us money. You know why? Because they are the best. Maybe we just wouldn't say it as often. Hey, have you seen all those stink bugs out there? Don't squish them. That's where they get their name. Are they bothering you? Call Town & Country. Are mice or other furry critters using your home as an escape for the upcoming cold? Call Town & Country. Do you have bed bugs? Do you know someone who does? Call Town & Country. Their team of extremely knowledgeable professionals will get the job done for you. They'll be in, they'll be out, and they'll inconvenience you a lot less than those pesky critters have been. Town & Country Pest Solutions guarantees their work. Call Town & Country today at 585-426-5024. That's 585-426-5024. Or visit them online at townandcountrysolutions.com. Town & Country Pest Solutions. They fear nothing but God. Every week we wrap up our show with our Pest of the Week. And for the first time, we've been doing this show for a year and a half, maybe a little bit longer. This is the very first time we walked in the studio with the same Pest of the Week. Detroit Lions receiver Golden Tate, who took exception with the Detroit fan base and the many empty seats during last week's 42-17 to loss to the Arizona Cardinals. That was a 42-17 to loss to the Cardinals. He had this to say. Today I felt like um, at times our, our fan base kind of turned their back on us. But, but I have oh, wait, I'm not, hold up, I'm not done. But we have we have a lot of confidence in our fan base, and we can't do this without our fan base. And we just we expect them to be with us a little bit better next week. We got a chance to to still be special. In fairness to Tate, this was right after the game on Sunday. Frustrating loss. He has since softened his stance. He's backtracked a little bit. And he's, he's really not this guy. You, listeners, you got to know that this is just a fun segment we do. It's not, it has no bearing on the guy. Uh, I think Golden Tate's a pretty good guy from what I understand, but you can't blame the fans. You can't get on the fans when after five games into the season, you are still looking for your first win and you are five games out of first place. And you have a history of losing like the Lions does, Lions have over the last few years. Golden Tate is our pest of the week. Yeah, he hasn't given them anything oh, to watch. Why would oh, they stay? Hold up, I'm not done. I'm sorry. <laughs> who, who was that reporter? Anyway? I have no idea. Better and those guys is brought to you by Town and Country Pest Solutions. Please visit our title sponsors, townandcountrysolutions.com. You can follow us on Twitter at BTG Program. It's been fun having you along for a ride. This is Benson, and you've been listening to Benson and those guys.